Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about a movie that was one of my and one of many, many other people's most anticipated movies of 2020 that of course got delayed by the pandemic, finally came out in limited release, finally then came out in theaters. And, of course, who is going to the theaters right now? And now is finally out on VOD. It is called Promising Young Woman from writer-director Emerald Fennell, starring Carey Mulligan. And it is a movie that, you know, really requires a very specific tone in covering because of the subject matter that's at play here. But uh, I, I think we did a good job doing this movie justice. Uh, joining me for this one is Kate Kate does content. She's been on the show before, and I was really happy to have her back for this one. And yeah, this is a movie that I think now that it is out in wide uh, digital release is going to be something that is going to dominate the conversation moving forward at this point. So we shall see what the hot takes look like. (laughs) But uh, let's add this one to the uh, growing conversation around this movie. So before we get into that conversation, though... I would like to remind you all to please make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Follow me on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We uh, also have a produced by David Rosen Patreon where I post uh, bonus and exclusive advanced episodes of the show as well as from awesome movie year and all the other podcasts that i am involved with and from my music career so lots of great content over there on the patreon so check that out so without any further ado i've been waiting to talk about this movie for a long time let's talk about promising young woman All right, so back with us today for what was, I think, one of almost everybody's most anticipated movies of 2020, Promising Young Woman. We've got Kate with us. Kate, how's it going? Oh, man. It's it's going great, but also this movie. So ask me again when the podcast is over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I was looking at my notes like before we got started. I'm just thinking like, 
Like, man, where is this going to go? Because this movie and the discussion around this movie could go in a lot of different directions. And I should add, before we start really, like, getting into it, that this has not really come out in a wide release that everybody can see it yet. I mean, it's in theaters, but not everybody's going to theaters. This is going to drop when it hits streaming. And then we're really going to see the discourse kind of explode from this movie. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So uh, like I was saying, I mean, this was, I mean, it was one of my most anticipated movies of 2020 before the pandemic and everything. Was this something you had been kind of waiting all year for? Did you get to see it anywhere uh, earlier? I was, I was denied. And so, yeah, I'm I'm the same way as you where I was so gung ho for this film because of course, you know, coming out of Sundance 2020, you know, mm-hmm. the last really big kind of moment in film before the pandemic hit. I mean, everybody was talking about this film and I had been hopeful to ride in on that first wave of press coverage. Pandemic hits almost immediately after and it's like, OK, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Um, <laughs> fortunately for award season, I've been able to add Promising Young Woman to my list of FYC screeners and was just thrilled to get to sit with it. And this movie offers so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely, I I don't know. This is a movie that I think there's so many different ways to take everything that's going on. And I've watched it twice now. And and I got to say, I actually, the second time, certain things really kind of bugged me about it, but we'll get into those as we get into the conversation. But it's like, it's just been like kind of a different experience each time that I've watched this movie. And I mean, that's, that's great when a movie can be that way. So, I mean, that is exciting whether, uh, you know, whether things are bugging me or not, but I think, uh, there, like I said, there'll be plenty to talk about. Why don't we just start jumping into some puzzle pieces? What do we got for our first one? What do you have? I spit on your grave. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the OG, but any of the sequels could apply. I think something to start this episode out on is a content warning, uh, promising young woman as a film itself, and probably the discussion that will follow. Uh, there are themes of sexual assault and victim Mm -hmm. trauma. So if that's something that is going to be difficult for you, please know that as you're going into the film, please know that as you're continuing in this discussion with us. But yeah, so I I spit on your grave. To me, the connection is quite obvious. How quickly do you want to jump into spoiler land? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to happen. So go for it if you want to start now with some spoilers. Okay. You know, what we're looking at with Promising Young Woman is a direct response to rape culture through the lens of a revenge fantasy type film what with our main character cassie she is a promising med student um her best friend suffers something that is so common on college campuses everywhere she suffers a sexual assault she's not believed and the trauma that her friend experiences impacts cassie in profound ways which puts Mm -hmm. her on a path of vengeance not just against the people who perpetuated the crime against her friend but against the system and its perpetrators everywhere. Sure. That's the subject matter we're dealing in. I, I point to, and, and there will be a theme in my puzzle. <laughs> I point to, I spit on your grave because I spit on your grave, particularly the original 
is one of those films that people have a really hard time with. They have a hard time with how gruesome it is, how graphic it is, how vindictive and almost mean-spirited it is. Mm -hmm. And that comes from every angle in the film. It is a film that very thoroughly traumatizes the audience, both in the atrocities committed against the female protagonist and in the brutality of her revenge. Mm -hmm. Promising Young Woman does very much the same thing where it uh, suspends the audience in that, you know, you want you you understand and root for what she's doing. But at the same time, there are moments in the story that really pull on that shit. You know, how how far is too far? How far is she? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, obviously just getting like right into spoiler territory, like we said here, I mean, part of my issue with the film the second time through is is also something that I find interesting about the film at the same time. And that is where it ultimately goes with the ending and everything. And I think that that's part of that is just like something that's just so ugly that you kind of can't turn away from what ultimately happens to Cassie in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's it's an ending that as an audience member, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want this ending, you know, because we've got we've gone through this whole setup where where she's kind of let this Bo Burnham character in and then they have what seems like such a good thing going. But then things are revealed and then it just goes as dark as can be from that point forward. And it, it kind of like throws everything else out out the window at that point. And that kind of as an audience member is a little bit frustrating, I feel like. But it also is, uh, you know, a mirror to how frustrating and awful, uh, for lack of much worse words, things can be in real life for people who go through these issues. To me, I, the, the ending has been a topic of, you know, quite a bit of conversation surrounding Promising Young Woman. And, and it took me a while to, how I feel about the ending and what I think about the ending are two very different things. Hmm. Um, I feel that the ending is not satisfying um, to come right out and say it. And just again, if you if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead, skip ahead. At the end of Promising Young Woman, uh, Cassie not only fails to exact, well, to say she fails isn't even entirely accurate. Right. Cassie becomes a casualty to the system she's fighting against. She right. does have a moment of you know, kind of her final aha moment yeah. post, uh, post-mortem. And, and the Bo Burnham element, because again, the film is all about balance and reality. And Bo Burnham comes in as a good guy character. He's the man that's going to convince Cassie that not all men are the same. When she has right. overwhelming evidence to the contrary, by the end of the film, we realize that her, her, her hopes have been dashed my feeling <laughs> is, that, is, is that that is not a satisfying way to end the movie. What I think and what I know to be true is that that distinction is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way that they introduced Bo Burnham's character into the situation is very important. That yeah. in the eyes of many, rightfully so, an abiding bystander is just as guilty as right. an aggressive perpetrator. And, and while that is very difficult to watch from a Hollywood 
I, I'm rooting for these crazy kids perspective. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is so essential to the message of the film and to accurately portraying this very real and present cultural experience. Right. Right. And, and for a movie that's like set up specifically to raise questions and get people talking, it is yet another question within the, the overall questions of, you know, how bad is this guy? You know, well, there is, there is something there uh, and everybody's going to have different opinions on that. And so it, it just uh, continues to raise more questions, but I'll jump onto my next piece. We've already started working our way from the ending. I'll go back to the beginning of the movie and uh, the opening scene where uh, we've get these kind of slow motion uh average guys just dancing to, uh, I believe the song is Boys. I, I'm not sure of the name of the artist, but it reminded me of kind of the dark side of just in general, Judd Apatow style movies. So yeah. some of these movies are directed by Judd Apatow himself. Some of them just star his regulars, whether that's Seth Rogen or James Franco or any of these people. But, you know, you always get these big laughs set up by just how goofy these, you know, average ass dudes are at the club and all that stuff. And then we go straight for comedy from that point forward. And this, we're getting the other side of that, that, Oh, you know, there's a fairly good chance that some of these people are not good guys. You know, even if there's jokes, even there's, you know, fun times and all that stuff at the bar scene, like what really happens later, uh, isn't always so great. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a flipping the coin of that whole Judd Apatow party movie vibe. I think that's such a a perfect place to start because for me, and you know, very excited about this film and we're, we're less than five seconds into the movie and it's like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and that's so true because it is, and, and even that it's something so fun, but it's also disarming mm -hmm. because I think you nail it exactly that it goes into those comedic tropes and you're watching these kind of, you know, pudgy bros hip thrusting mm -hmm. right into the camera with neon lights and a girl pop album playing behind it. But what comes from that is the knowledge that that predators aren't limited to a particular look. Right. That these disarming uh, Seth Rogen types, as you said, that they that they are just as much a threat as the successful, good-looking frat daddy that people <laughs> like to associate with this type of issue. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's interesting how that's played out throughout the entire film with the different like kinds of kinds of guys that that she encounters throughout and straight up through the ends in the, uh, the bachelor party scene. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, what do you got for your next piece, though? So continuing with my original theme, I think a natural pairing to I Spit on Your Grave is the 2018 uh, French film Revenge. Are you familiar? I'm familiar with it. I've never seen it. Uh, I heard great things about it, though. So to kind of walk back to conversations of, and, and again, a very large content warning for the direction that we're about to go into, there has been a lot of discussion about the use of of sexual assault and rape as a tool, a very gendered tool in film that that is is used almost exclusively on women. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of television dramas and films that you can point to where that very specific, very gender entrenched trauma 
is leveled almost exclusively at women in our media. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, and I spit on your grave is controversial film for many reasons. One of those criticisms is its depiction of violent assault within mm-hmm. the scope of the male gaze. It is, uh, I think the UK calls it a video nasty. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it is a sexually framed piece, which makes it as a woman, very difficult to watch. Right. What revenge does is revenge is the same type of film where it is a woman exacting revenge on a group of her assailants. She survives an attack. She managed to, she manages to get out into the desert. She picks her attackers off one by one. What I think makes revenge closer to promising young woman is that revenge is not filmed within the male gaze. It is not shots of the female body. It doesn't Mm. focus on the assault itself. It focuses on the revenge. It also has a very bright and feminine aesthetic. Yeah. When you're looking at Promising Young Woman, the the candy-coated exterior of the coffee shop that she works in, the very soft feminine textures that Cassie wears, she's not framed as like a hard-ass, sharp-feature, you know, bitch woman. Her character is very feminine. The ways that she disarms men is rooted in very feminine stereotypes. The way she dresses at these bars and every single part of that is a massive statement that revenge also makes. By taking Mm -hmm. that type of film, that type of story out of the male gaze and planting it in a feminine aesthetic, it, it becomes more of a revenge film and less of a sexually scoped feature which is mm-hmm. a challenge when it comes to this subject matter yeah and, and i think that that is just such a uh, a big balancing act that uh, emerald fennel like has to has to deal with with this particular movie is uh trying to keep you because and, and again this is a big part of the ending that like kind of like bugged me going in that it's like i want to see this Cassie character get some kind of closure and move on with her life and have a better life. And, and, uh, that's not what happens and that's, you know, not what's going to happen for this person. And so to, uh, to kind of, to kind of balance that, that darkness of where this story is ultimately going to go with the kind of person that this, you know, promising young woman could have been, if not for the events, you know, of the movie, uh, is, is really difficult, I think. Yeah, I I would agree. So uh, I'll move on to another piece. And this is a movie that I actually just watched for the first time uh, j- just this past week, actually. Uh, and, and that's Ridley Scott's Thelma and Louise, uh, which I think that this movie is similarly, you know, a, a very huge feminist story with an inevitably dark ending. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was just saying. You know, it does not go well in the end, but it was never going to go well in the end. I mean, uh, Cassie is unfortunately so damaged by what has happened in her life that uh, this 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 revenge streak that she's on, it's not going to get to a certain point where she's, you know, done and finished with it and happy and move on. Things have been started that just can't be stopped at that point. And that's kind of the uh, the you know journey that Thelma and Louise go on, where they're just they're, there's never going to be a win. There's never going to be an end at the end of their story, and so they 
they go for the uh, the only end that they see at that point. And yeah, it's a great movie, and it was my first time watching it. So. Oh, that's such a good one! C- congratulations! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your first I can't one. believe I never I can't believe I never saw that movie. But yeah, <laughs> inevitability. I I think that's that's what I really pull out of that puzzle piece, and I think you're so right that inevitability is such a large part of Thelma Louise, and it's also a big part of promising young woman because going back to that very controversial ending, mm-hmm. it is a dark ass message, but the message is that, that people get away with this mm-hmm. and that, and that there is no moving on from that trauma, you know, victims of these, of these type of incidents, there is no moving on. It becomes a part of your landscape. It, right. It's something that touches you. And for Cassie, and her ending to be able to, and I, and the thing is, and I think it's very easy to, to look at the film, you know, where it's this string of this string of teachable moments for the men that cross Cassie's path leading up to that big bachelor party scene. Um, it's very easy to kind of look at it as small pieces leading up to the major event. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that's true. I think that inevitability is something that happens each time she enters that bar. Mm. She has a really great line about how long she's been doing this and how many times a nice guy has offered to take her home and the night has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that inevitability, at least in the context of promising young woman is part of the threat. Right. Which Thelma and Louise does in a much warmer, <laughs> right, warmer sure. way, but they are both stories of inevitability. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what do you got for your next piece? So, moving through style, because I think that mm. Promising Young Woman is a very stylish film. I think that's what's going to give it a lot of sticking power, aside from its narrative. But in Glorious Bastards, I am interested in hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> so with Inglorious Bastards, it's I think just one of the best revenge fantasy films out there. Um, mm-hmm. Very much a film that is drawn from the part of your creative brain about what you wish you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're thinking about revisionist history and you're thinking about a film like Inglorious Bastards, you wish more than anything that historically there had been this band of colorful characters that managed to blow Hitler's face off in a movie theater. <laughs> like right. when you're looking at this uh, large historical evil, that's the sort of thing you think about. And Tarantino has a very particular style and glorious bastards has a very distinct style all its own. Um, and promising young woman is very much the same way. I think that the, uh, the intention with design with music, I think that there's a very uh, parallel mastery between the two directors the ability to bring in every element of look and music into kind of forwarding this feminine fantasy on one side macho fantasy on the other Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just a it's something that kind of tickled my brain in that anybody who has any familiarity experience with the extent of the problem Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm trying to keep things in vague terms because I don't want to trigger warning every minute of this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is it is so frustrating to be a citizen of the world now 
to have, in my case, to have recently been a community member on college campuses, to know full well what our culture is, how it impacts people, how it especially impacts young women. Um, you can look back to the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and get an idea of, well, you just see the world of promising young woman at work. And very much like the tragedy, the real world tragedy of World War II, it's a very human thing to wish for that spirit of vengeance that Tarantino captures in his film, mm. that is captured here in Promising Young Woman. You, it, it's, a, it's a reprieve. It's a reprieve from the stress of knowing that it's a real problem. Yeah. I've been thinking about Inglorious Bastards a lot lately, just with the current national discourse. And, mm. you know, you see a neo-Nazi in the news and you suddenly have an urge to revisit Tarantino. <laughs> That's actually a very good point, And I should do that soon. It would probably be a good way to, uh, to deal with everything going on. But uh, I'll, I'll throw one other uh, comparison to Inglorious Bastards in there. Uh, I hadn't thought of this beforehand, but, you know, Hans Landa is just such a lovable bad guy. And each of these, you know, shitbag dudes are, until things get, you know, gross and awful, uh, are, are each their own little kind of caricature of a shitty dude um, that is kind of fun to watch. I mean, McLovin as the cokehead, you know, with his shitty script and uh, the, the, I forget his name, but the main guy who is, you know, having the wedding at the end who the bachelor party's for, how he starts crying immediately, you know, they're, they're each kind of very fun to watch, even though they're total shitbags. I am so happy that you said that um, <laughs> because my favorite scene in Inglorious Bastards is the bear juice scene. <laughs> and I think that captures perfectly your point. And I agree with you completely. In Inglorious Bastards, the bear Jew is played by Eli Roth. He is a member of the Nazi hunting squad and a brutal member in that he beats uh, captured Nazis to death with a baseball bat in, yeah. in Tarantino-esque fashion. Oh, yeah. And that scene is so impactful because... It's a, you know, you, you know full well that you're looking at a, a Jewish vigilante who is facing down the ultimate evil, which is the Nazi party during World War II. You're also watching a scene between two soldiers. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the few moments in the film, and, and I agree, Hans Landa is a lovable bad guy. That scene with the bear Jew is one of the few moments in the film where where there's a bit of um, the captured Nazi officer in that film is not a caricature. Right. It's a very human moment between two people. One is infuriated by the injustice. The other is a soldier who knows what's coming. Mm -hmm. um, it makes it such a powerful scene. And I, and, and you can apply it to so many moments in promising young woman. Because you're absolutely right. And it goes all the way back to the disarming effect of those early dance scenes. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you're not seeing these caricatures of predatory men. They're average dudes. They're lovable dudes. That's part of why the film is framed the way that is, is to say, you know, that this isn't, you don't have to be looking for the shady guy with a twirly mustache. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that, <laughs> that danger lurks everywhere. Right. And it also complicates, it complicates your relationship with what's going on 
because it forces you as the viewer, you know, you're thirsty for blood, just like Cassie, but you're also having several of those human moments back to back and mm -hmm. human flaw. And if you're like me, moving past that very quickly, <laughs> uh, for some viewers, not so much. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that turned out to be a great puzzle piece there. I love that. Um, I'm going to go on to a piece that I'm sure a lot of people uh, won't like so much, especially in our film Twitter world. But uh, I'm going to go with Joker for my next puzzle piece, the Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Oh, God. I, I know. I know. But, I mean, we are dealing with a protagonist who is lashing out against a shitty society and the actions of everybody within that society and basically taking the matters into their own hands in a way that is, you know, you, you root for them to a degree, but at the same time is not necessarily uh, you know, the, the best way to go about things, uh, one might say. And, you know, certainly these people deserve what's coming to them, but at the same time, uh, sometimes people maybe just need to take a step back and, and get the help that they need so they can maybe move forward in a healthier way, you know? Uh, so I do see parallels there. And we also get the scene in the mirror with the clown-ish makeup. <laughs> so. That's true. That's, that's very on the dot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that part of the beauty of Promising Young Woman, and I, and I like, I, I do agree that Joker summarizes this idea really well, I, I'm going to look ahead into the future a little bit mm -hmm. and we can all revisit this episode and see if I was right. As I'm gazing into my crystal ball, looking ahead to the larger release of promising young woman, there are going to be a lot of people who want to dismiss this film as, um, misandry as man bashing. Right. Uh, they may think that if they want, I personally don't care. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but, but that will be the knee jerk response is the vilification of, of, of men in promising young woman, men with a capital M. Mm -hmm. The moments that I want to draw attention to are the scene with the Dean at the medical school, a woman and her teenage daughter. And then the interaction with Alison Bree's character. Sure. Because I think. I think something that's very important, and you touch on it so much with, with Joker and railing against a society, mm -hmm. the issue that is at the center of Promising Young Woman is not an issue of men versus women. Absolutely right. It manifests in that way more often than not. We, we will be honest in our analysis, but this goes so much deeper. This goes into the accountability of how other women make excuses for what happens to their friends. It goes to how other women treat other women. It goes to how women hold, we're very protective of teenage girls and teenage children as we should be. I think we ultimately as a society fail women that are in college. Yeah. I think the college campus is this very weird space between adulthood and childhood where everything in the world is looking out for you whenever you're a high school student. Once you're in college, there's still so much help that you need. 
that a lot of students don't get. And that transcends issues of sexual assault on college campuses. I, I do, I think that Joker very much, because when I think of Joker, I think of just a, a railing against the world. Right. And I think, I think that is the exact correct way to think of promising young woman. I think that there's a lot of people who will focus on the, uh, the gender specific aspect of it. And that's just ultimately a disservice to both how to read the film and how to discuss it. I completely agree. Yeah. It, th- this is a movie that is, I mean, I, I know we all like to make fun of the whole society thing, but I mean, this is a, this is a movie that absolutely has the, the bigger picture in its sights, not, not just a gender or anything like that. Yeah. So uh, what do you got for your next piece? So this is my last one. And, and again, there's a theme within a theme, as it turns out. Another Tarantino joint, uh, Kill Bill. Okay. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, I think that Kill Bill kind of is a more colorful, fun version of some of the things that we touched on in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. I, what I really enjoyed in Promising Young Woman and what I came back to in my second viewing of the film is the very distinct feminine style. Right. Very, uh, the caricature of femininity. The character of Cassie has rainbow painted nails. In the final scene at the bachelor party, she wears a pastel rainbow wig. She paints on her makeup heavy. In one scene, she does the, uh, and this is just a look that I'm very familiar with having, uh, having grown up in the 2000s. But that bleach blonde, ponytail, tan, baby slut, mm-hmm. pink lipstick. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, they're caricatures. And, you know, caricatures of femininity that are associated with this very distinct female vengeance. And I think of Kill Bill very much the same way, except for Rick Tarantino. He's not playing with, he's not playing with caricatures of femininity. He's playing with caricatures of the action genre. Mm-hmm. And the way that he costumes uh, the bride and and other women in the film, it's all very much rooted in kind of the type of uh, exploitation films and action films that he's stylizing after. Yeah. Uh, Promising Young Woman does the same thing. So Kill Bill is really a style marker. But of course, it's very easy to compare these very extreme and badass yeah. female angels of vengeance. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got a, you've got a beautiful, basically revenge, you know, protagonist who, who marks down in her book, which number the person is on her list. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's plenty of Kill Bill there and I was considering including it on my list as well, but I love what you're saying about, about it being like uh, almost caricature version of, of like these particular uh, female archetypes or, or whatever, which is something that you know Tarantino does so well and is kind of what her various uh looks are like throughout this movie um it definitely i i see the comparison totally to me it is critical to reading the film because looking at the larger issue of sexual assault and particularly how we react to sexual assault against women the the expected question is well what were you wearing sure and and there's which is an infuriating piece of the puzzle but for the film each of those costumes that cassie dons as a way of luring men in it speaks to two things it speaks to one 
men's views on women, mm-hmm. bloody nurse stripper, the uh, every iteration of the drunk at the club bimbo. Right. Every single character she has is a stereotype. Uh, she's got kind of a manic pixie dream girl look in the McLovin scene. Mm-hmm. She, she's very specifically capitalizing on male fantasy and male stereotypes of women to bring men in and for for many viewers but i think especially for women watching the film it is so gratifying to see this woman taking a uniform that other people have used to excuse sexual assault and watching a woman beat a man to death with it (laughs) it it feels good oh yeah (laughs) Well, I, you know what? I think that's actually a really great transition point to my last puzzle piece, which is the film Hustlers from Lorraine Scafario, starring Jennifer Lopez. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, this movie about these strippers who take advantage of all these drunk men because fuck them, basically. <laughs> and who cares about these men? <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, as we've been talking about here, things go too far and it blows up the whole situation going forward from there but that that initial uh that initial point of view of of these men who've been you know getting away with acting like this forever and you know these women who are in in a you know a place of you know powerlessness up until that point are taking that back and you know taking control of the situation and uh hustlers is just fantastic also has a lot of the style you've been talking about uh through this episode i i think that aesthetic has so much to do with it especially when it comes to women because i mean you know i uh, we're we're a good looking species women (laughs) (laughs) and that is used to uh incredible effect in film and of course there have been tons of discussions in hollywood about the male gaze and Uh, how women are positioned in films and how that looks. And Mm -hmm. I think it's very exciting to see expectation and fantasy and kind of the, uh, that particular brand of female presentation being put in these fuck you films. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent choice. Right on. Well, I will go ahead and do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here, but we talked about I Spit on Your Grave, Judd Apatow movies, Revenge, Thelma and Louise, Inglorious Bastards, Joker, sorry everybody, um, <laughs> Kill Bill, and Hustlers. And I will, uh, for a first closing thought, I will add in there one bonus puzzle piece, which is Very Bad Things, in which a stripper is killed at a bachelor party. And uh, as dark as this movie is, uh, there are plenty of jokes played at that point uh, with, <laughs> with the bachelors at the bachelor party. So uh, I think it still fits a little bit. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that the big takeaway is that one of us is very angry watching Promising Young Woman. <laughs> yes. Or <laughs> you're not near as angry. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, for, yes. I, and and I completely understand uh, your point of view, and it right. completely uh, makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm very comfortable in the in the emotion of rage, so it's it's only yeah. natural. Uh, but I do, and and speaking to ending thoughts, I I'm very nervous for this film to enter the wider cultural discourse because I I can always count on the willfully ignorant 
I think that there are plenty of people who will be very quick to dismiss this film without viewing it. I think mm. that this film will be very challenging for people. And, and we're not comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, that's just a fact right. of life is that uh, watching things that are challenging, it's very upsetting for us. I hope that people will dig in deep, mix themselves a cocktail and, and get ready for the ride. Because I do, I think the film approaches these topics with a lot of humor and with a great deal of intellect and intention. It's, it's a very watchable movie. Mm -hmm. And I think quite important. Yeah. Well, to that watchable, uh, I, I also just wanted to mention um, just a great supporting cast all around. Uh, the The parents, Jennifer Coolidge and Clancy Brown, are, are so good. Um, so, I mean, that really, you know, provides a lot of levity in an otherwise very, you know, heavy movie. So, so that's good to that point. Um, wait, one question I wanted to ask you, though, um, you know, now that we've finally gotten to see this movie and kind of take it all in and everything, did this movie surprise you in the way it took on this subject matter was it what you expected or was it something very different from what you expected uh for me no uh i understood you know just kind of based on the trailers and i'm i'm a big horror movie fanatic and actually when i first saw the trailers i thought very much that this is oh i spit on your grave light right <laughs> that, that was my initial impression of the trailers and i and i think that that's a pretty fair I think that's a fair summary if you really discount how graphic the original I Spit on Your Grave is. Sure, sure. Um, it did meet my expectations very much. I, some people are going to make the argument that this movie is heavy-handed. I don't fully agree. Mm. Um, so I, to me, it met all of my expectations pretty exactly. I was, I was more surprised about how much humor it allowed itself. And to me, that speaks to just bold filmmaking mm -hmm. because this is a serious topic and nobody is comfortable talking about this stuff. This is going to, and, and I, and I throw around content warnings with abandon. People need to be in the correct headspace to watch this movie. This sure. movie will be impossible for some people and that's okay. But I also appreciate that in, in the filmmaking, there is a comfort and almost a surrender to the subject matter that allows you to play in it. This is not mm. a miserable movie. Sure. Yeah. And it could be. No. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely, it's, it's a movie that you kind of have to be open to asking questions afterwards to like, really kind of like, you know, thinking about it and like sitting with it for a while because there's there's just so much uh, so much at play here and such a complicated you know issue that this movie is is uh, working with. To me, I think the best advice I could give to a viewer is allow yourself to be challenged because mm -hmm. there are moments, and I and I will admit to this myself. There are moments in the film where you feel yourself closing up. It's too real. It's too spiky. It's too uncomfortable. There are those moments where you want to clam up, push past that impulse because you will be given a break. The filmmaker knows what she's doing. Yeah. When you push through the hard moment, you're going to get a break right after and, and it will be worth it to carry through to the end. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. 
Well, I think that I think that about does it for Promising Young Woman. Uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do this one. And is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, not a movie, but a series. Uh, okay. It came out on Christmas Day um, on Netflix, Bridgerton. I highly recommend with your challenging uh, rape culture narrative of Promising Young Woman, do a chaser with some pretty dresses and some hot dude butts. the Bridgerton series is incredibly sexy it's a lot of fun Um, it's also very culture positive and I I think a wonderful chaser beautiful (laughs) maybe more for your female listeners than than the guys but yeah but you know what y'all can watch too (laughs) yeah maybe we'll learn a couple things here and there so (laughs) Your, your, your significant others will appreciate it (laughs) <laughs> all right on kate uh this is awesome uh, why don't you tell people where they could find you and your writing um the best place to find me is on twitter at kate does so that's at c-a-i-t-d-o-e-s uh i write about everything i'm going to be writing about bridgerton and why all of your boyfriends should be watching it very soon <laughs> well i don't have a boyfriend but uh i'll get my wife to watch it we'll we get you one and <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Well, thank you again for being here, and I look forward to hopefully getting you back again one of these days. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Promising Young Woman. I hope we did it justice. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, For those of you listening, if you like what we uh, had to say here on the show, I would love to hear your feedback. You can, of course, just tweet at us at PiecingPod. Let us know what you think of the show. But you could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. You could also review individual episodes of the show on Podchaser. So, uh, you know, maybe if you have some puzzle pieces that you think we missed, you know, go let us know. Or, of course, let us know that you love the show. That's especially good. But, uh, yeah, we'd we love to hear about the feedback uh, of what we're doing here. So get in touch. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Don't forget about our Patreon, produced by David Rosen. That's me, David Rosen. And uh, it, it combines you know, content from all different places that I am involved with, whether it's Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast I produce. Uh, I'll eventually be posting stuff from All Rice, No Beans and Bird Road and whatever other podcast-related stuff I get involved with, but also from my music career. So lots of great, great stuff on there to check out. And uh, I just want to thank you all for listening so much. This was the first new recorded episode of 2021 And I look forward to recording and covering lots of movies in this new year. So 
let's look forward to lots of great stuff going from here on out. So let's close this episode out with a piece of music like I always do. And I do hope to continue work on a new album in 2021. But don't forget that back in October, I did put out my latest album, David Rosen. It's just a self-titled album. It is my sixth album. It features what I think is some of the best work I've ever put out. And this is a track from that album. It's called Deep Breaths. I'm pretty sure I played it on the show before, but I think it's a good one to go out on here. So let's play Deep Breaths from my sixth album, David Rosen, which is available now on iTunes, on Spotify, and all the major digital music services. Also, I have a limited edition CD available on Bandcamp, a actual physical CD. I still I still make those for most of my albums because uh, I, I like to have that, you know? So uh, if you like collecting CDs, it is a cool one. I think the artwork came out really great. So go check that out on my Bandcamp, davidrosen.bandcamp.com. And yes, this is Deep Breaths. Enjoy this track, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.